a very big welcome to Now That's What I Call Sport on 98FM. 98FM, Now That's What I Call Sport with Jamie Moore. Put on my microphone correct. Hello there, good morning. You are very welcome to the That's What I Call Sport on Dublin's 98FM. At least I can use my buttons. It's Jamie Moore here. Coming up between now and 10am, we'll be talking all things Dublin, hurling and football with two legends of the game. On the weekend, the Allianz League throws in. Jim isn't just thinking about this game today. He's not just about this league. He's not just thinking about this, this, this year's championship. He's thinking about going forward that we can continue this conveyor belt success to come double supporters' way. The second half certainly was a, a, a different story altogether. And as the fellow says, typically an old saying, it was a game of two halves. Charlie Redmond and Humphrey Keller will be along very soon. We're just six days from Ireland's opening Six Nations game against England. We're going to preview the match with head coach Joe Schmidt, captain Rory Best, and we'll go behind enemy lines with the England boss, Eddie Jones. I'd love to believe that, you know, we're not ranked number one. I think it's something that, that we're not necessarily focusing on, favourites. I think that's something that is external to the group. Well, you got to be a very good team. Um... But the first game's the most important game. We've got Ireland the first game, so that's the only thing we're worried about. And then it's all about the Special Olympics. As Ireland get ready to send 71 athletes to Abu Dhabi for the biggest challenge of their lives, the director of sport, Cavan Coventry, will be here. The sea green is always something that's hugely anticipated and ready for when we go out. They'll all be dressed in bright green T-shirts. The opening ceremony will be spectacular. It's in the Zayed City Stadium. And they've just said it's like 43,000 people, but I bet you'll see the green when you come in. Ireland under-21 manager Stephen Kenny and the new St. Pat's signing Chris Forrester will join us too. We'll begin, though, with the boys in blue. 98 FM. Now that's what I call sport. Charlie Redmond, welcome back to Dublin's 98 FM. Charlie, how are you? Good morning, Jamie. Great, so Charlie, thanks for having a chat with us. First time back on the radio with us in 2019. Ready to look ahead to the full year, really, for the Dublin footballers, of course. Charlie, former All-Ireland winner in blue himself. Now, Charlie, the All-Ireland champions, as we know, they're trying to defend their All-Ireland title, their Leinster title, and secure their sixth Alliance League crown in seven seasons later on today. Away in Monaghan, in Clonus, throw-ins at two o'clock, Charlie. Before we talk about that game, just your overall thoughts on the year ahead, as I said, with those three trophies that we're trying to retain again. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I think one is already in the bag. I think the Leinster trophy, to be honest, is a uh, done deal. I don't think there's anything in Leinster that even in the same league as us in, uh, in, in, in that regard. But yeah, the league and, and, and championship are two different entities completely. Uh, to go into today's game, and it, it's, it's a very interesting game because, I mean, it wouldn't be the start that Jim Gavin would have selected if he had a choice going away to Monaghan. I think it was the only team last year that beat, that beat Dublin. Uh, in the last game in Crow Park, if I remember correctly, and a team, you know, I have to admit that I was quite, I was quite happy to see being beaten by Tyrone in the semi-final last year. They possess an awful lot of qualities that could, that could, that could upset Dublin and uh, and cause Dublin a lot of problems. And uh, yeah, today will be a very difficult game, I think, in, in Clones. As we know, Charlie, for the last number of years, the Dubs have gone into each season as the best team with that target on their backs, and that's the same again for 2019, which is no different for the dubs but every team who they face from the league onwards really does want to beat them and it's a big scalp if anyone can beat Dublin starting with Monaghan today and that's something that they'll need to be aware of as they as they have been for the last number of years and thankfully they've been able to overcome you know all of that for the previous couple of years Yeah like I mean there's no doubt about it like even back in the day when when I played for Dublin you, you do know that when you go and you play somewhere and you put on the Dublin jersey that there's an there's an added incentive for the for, for the, the opposition to beat you. They love getting one over and on, on the capital and on, on, on the last coming from the big smoke as they, they see it. And 
I think for the lads presently, it's even it's even greater for them. The pressure is even greater because they're, they're they're looking for the five in a row, as you said, six out of seven in, in, in league, league terms. Uh, I don't know how many Leinster titles in a row. So there's no doubt that there's an, an added pressure on the lads. When I say an added pressure, it's it, it comes with a territory. The boys know exactly what, what what's expected of them. They know exactly what the opposition are, are, are going to bring to the, bring to the table. But every team you go out finds another ten, fifteen percent in their performance because of the jersey that they're wearing. And I'm sure the Kerry boys are the same. I'm sure when Kerry go out and play, there's teams who, who lift their game because, because it's the, the great green and gold jersey. But for our boys, it's, it's something they've become accustomed to over the years, something that they can deal with with a plum and, and, and they're very comfortable with that pressure on their shoulders. And, and yeah, I mean, they, 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 they have, they've built this dynasty that they're continuing to develop and to continue to grow. And I and I believe that the players who who Jim Gavin has in the squad and 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 probably in more particular the guys he has in his force fifteen are guys who who can deal with this pressure. And it's not even a pressure to them. It's just a normal run the mill stuff for the for the guys. Yeah, and a man who'll be leading the Dubs, Charlie, for the next three years is Jim Gavin. And, you know, it's a massive boost to everybody that he's signed another long-term contract to be in charge until the end of the 2021 season. He's been responsible, or at least a man in charge of the team, certainly for the last number of years and all those All-Irelands in a row and stuff. A big boost for everybody that, that he's at the helm and he'll be demanding that the players keep up those standards that, you know, they have been massively influential under him in the last couple of years. Absolutely, Jamie. I think like we we have a perfect storm at the moment. We have a manager who who does everything by numbers. He he knows exactly what he wants. He he and the players. He lets the players know exactly what he wants. He has come into a time now, albeit about 2013, all those years ago. He came into a, a team that was that was hungry and thirsty for success. They'd won an All Ireland in 2011. So beaten semi final two thousand twelve. So Jim came along and they were a very, very, very talented bunch of guys. There's no doubt about that. And he came along with with with, with, with his with his operation, the way he does business. And for us, for a double supporter, it was perfect because everybody bought into Jim's way of doing things. Someone might have agreed with it, somebody might have thought it was wrong, but the, what they did see in the end that it worked. And it's continuing to work. And it's not only is it working, but it's continuing to produce players for the future, which is, I think, it's foremost in Jim's mind at the moment, is that, yeah, we want to get a team ready for championship. Yes, we want to get a team that's going to be successful presently. But what we also have to do is introduce players who are going to take this forward in, 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 in the years to come. We've seen Conor Callan come in. We've seen... Brian Howard come in. We've seen Evan Comerford, a goalkeeper, and waiting to take over from the great goalkeeper of all time, Stephen Cluxon. So, in the, to that regard, Jim is actually leaving a legacy behind him, albeit that that legacy may be another three or four years down the line. But as I've said a number of times this week, Jim isn't just thinking about this game today. He's not just about this league. He's not just thinking about this, this, this year's championship. He's thinking about going forward that we can continue this conveyor belt success to come double supporters' way. And and he's doing that by providing the younger players with an opportunity and the experience that they need to, to, to go into the fray of, of a championship match. And and we, we, we can look forward and we can be excited by what's going to come for all double supporters. 
Yeah, six changes for the Dubs for this game later on against Monaghan. From the team, of course, that won the All-Ireland final against Tyrone back in September. Stephen Cluxon, Philly McMahon, James McCarthy, Jack McCaffrey and Keane O'Sullivan all rested. But many of the other senior stars are back in, having not featured too much in the O'Byrne Cup, which the Dubs made the final of. The other teams in Dublin's group for this league campaign, Kerry, Galway, Mayo, Roscommon, Tyrone and Cavan, the team in full. Evan Comerford and goal, as Charlie mentioned. Eric Lowndes, Mick Fitzsimons and Connor, Connor Mullally, should I say. Owen Murkhan, Johnny Cooper and John Small. Football of the year, Brian Fenton in midfield alongside Michael Dara McCauley with Brian Howard, Cormac Costello and Niall Scully providing attacking support to what a trio, Charlie. Paul Mannion, Dean Rock and Con O'Callaghan. The uh, excitement in the Dublin forward line continues and uh, really looking forward to seeing them in action from later on today. Yeah, I, I, his name's a very strong team. Um, and when I when I read the team yesterday, I, I have to say, I was a bit taken aback. It's such a strong team. So he's obviously making the notice. Hopefully, that is a team that takes it apart today because we know with Jim, there's always a tendency for a, a little late shift. But what we might get one late shift or two late shifts, we still have a very strong team. Uh, I'm, I'm excited at the fact that he, he, at the midfield with, with Fenton and, and, and McCauley I think McCauley has been a, a great player for Dublin over the years I think he was a 2011 or player of the year uh, and we, we, we know what his abilities are we know how frustrated he's been with his lack of game time in the last couple of years because you've actually seen when he's warming up on, on the sideline how enthusiastic and how eager he is to get into the fray and I'm sure he'll be he'll be, he'll be going today with a little bit of nerves I'm Sure, because he'll know he's an opportunity to to stake a claim in that midfield bed for the for the games to come, and he knows the pressure and the of of the guys who are who are you know on the bench or who, who may not be involved today that they're going to come along and they're going to put pressure on him and other guys in the to to take the jersey off the back. So yeah, it's a very strong team. We're going to need a very strong team because we're playing a very good football team, and I'm sure if Jim Gavin gets out of clothes with a victory today, he'll be a very happy man. Charlie, very finally. A little prediction, please, sir. Your first of the new year. You rarely get them wrong, in fairness. Well, I wouldn't say that because the, the bookmakers have a. They've, they've, they've three people taking in money and only one person handing that out. And I'm, and I'm more at the. With better three people and one people in, in, in the bookies. I think Dublin will win. I think they'll win by about three or four points. It'll be a tough game. I'm hoping it'll be a good game. Uh, I believe it'll be a good game because both teams have had great qualities and, and great players on you know on display. Uh, but I think Dublin will win by about three to four. Great stuff, Charlie. Thanks a million. Enjoy the game. See you soon. So now from one Dublin legend in Charlie Redmond from the football to another one and the hurling and it's ex-Dublin hurling boss Humphrey Kelleher who unfortunately is not on the golf course this morning Humphrey a bit of man flu is it sir? Uh, a little bit yeah although I was out yesterday and uh, I'm glad to say we won some of the we won one of the competitions out there yesterday in the island so uh, a good a good day yesterday yes a good day for Humphrey on the golf course and his former team Dublin on the football pitch or the hurling pitch should I say uh, last night at Parnell Park the Dubs began their 2019 Allianz League campaign with a brilliant 3-15 to 18 point win over Carlo in what was new manager Matty Kenny's first league game in charge. Dublin were two points down at the break. They looked in a bit of trouble on a horrible night really for hurling but a strong second half performance from the boys in blue secured the points they needed. Super subs like Danny Sutcliffe and Donald Burke putting in some great performances. To talk us through the action as I mentioned Humphrey is on the phone. Humphrey having made it to the Walsh Cup semi-final three wins in a row before they lost to Galway in the last minute of that semi-final and then a league win yesterday there's a long way to go of course but a really strong start to Maddie Kenny's tenure as the hurling manager 
Yes, well, last evening wasn't a great evening for hurling, as you said, Jamie. Um, it, it, it was typical winter hurling, and I must say the pitch itself cut up badly during the night. So uh, it wasn't easy to play good hurling, but uh, it's the end of January, as you know, and uh, it, 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 I suppose it was a, a good win in the end. Although during the first half, uh, Dublin having had a very good uh, start, uh, first 10 minutes uh, dominated somewhat, but they, 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 they actually went to sleep. And I had visions of what happened in, in, in Crow Park last year against Offaly in, in, in the first round of the National League. And uh, Carlo certainly, they, they, they dominated. Uh, and and, and uh, I, I must say I was very impressed with uh, Carlo striking the ball and, and then scores they were getting. But Dublin just went to sleep, Jamie. But uh, the second half certainly was a, a, a different story altogether. And as the fellow says, typical an old saying, it was a game of two halves. Humphrey, in terms of the crowd and the impact that the weather had on the attendance and also the impact that the weather had on the match. What was the crowd like from being there and how difficult was it for the players? I was at home last night and it was quite windy and lashing rain for, for you know, the majority of the night. It was and it, it, it's not easy for hurling and, you know, when the ball goes into the ground it struck quite a lot. Um, it wasn't, there wasn't a huge crowd. I'd say there's about maybe 1,500 Oh, it was probably the maximum that was there, but uh, the, the diehard Dublin follower, hurling followers were there. But I suppose we have to look in a positive way. It is uh, the, the first match, it's two points on the board. And, uh, you know, you had mentioned earlier there about Donald Burke and Danny Sutcliffe. I was very impressed with them when they came on the second half. Dublin came out uh, practically a new team in the second half. And, and I was delighted to see Danny Sutcliffe coming on and uh, setting up a couple of very, very good scores. Uh, but uh, throughout the game, I suppose the, the, the most uh, dangerous player that Dublin had was, was Eamon Dillon. Uh, he got a, an absolutely beautiful point in the second half, the control on, uh, of the ball with the hurley uh, over at the uh, dressing room end was just sublime and to see the ball going over the bar it was great to see it. so Dublin have the, cap- uh, the, the, the capabilities but they have to do it much more uh, consistently Yeah, Offaly Galway Waterford and Leash to come in Audience League Division 1B for the Dublin Hurlers and I suppose for Maddie Kenny it's an interesting dilemma for him clearly he wants to win as many games as he can to get promotion back to Division 1A and also maybe to blood players and also work on his style of play ahead of the Leinster Championship and, and hopefully an All-Ireland a good All-Ireland campaign as well so how will he use the next four league games given as I mentioned the choices that he has to try and win the league and get promoted but also maybe have a look at a number of players not just 15 or 16 or 17 or 18 in relation to you know the whole year well, he certainly has blooded some of them in the Walsh Cup. Um, I, I have to say that some of them, I, I don't believe that would match up to uh, championship standard uh, during the summertime. But he's given them a, a good chance. But what, I, what I'm interested in this setup in the Dublin uh, team at the moment is that there's quite a number of them playing the Fitzgibbon Cup at a very high level at colleges. And they are competing. There's a good number of them involved in DCU who probably win the... Um, Fitzgibbon Cup this year are a very good chance of doing it. So they're exposed to the top players uh, in um, the colleges level, and which is which I think is a great um, uh, test for them. So I think that um, you mentioned earlier there that Matty Kenny's style of play, and I think that you could see that the differences in the cooler lads and actually the other lads that you could see the first touch was a little bit better with the cooler lads than they would be with the other players. So I think he's a lot of work to do. 
Uh, I still think the first touch is not good enough uh, in some of the players and I believe that I see that the striking we had three or four chances yesterday uh, or last evening of, of, of goals or points and we didn't capitalise on them so there's an awful lot of work to do yet but I think the material is probably there and to see Donald Buck as I say and Danny Sutcliffe coming in uh, will give us great hope that they can go on in the league anyway Great stuff, Humphrey Keller. Thanks a minute for your time as always. Get well You're soon. Get well back today. under the blankets there. Light the fire for the afternoon and we'll speak to you soon. Okay, thanks very much. Yeah, that's Humphrey Keller speaking to us here on the That's What I Call Sport on Dublin's 98FM with Jamie Moore on Sunday. Nathan Meal is with me. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. Yourself? I'm suffering with a bit of man flu as well. Are you? Yeah, I just need some hot drinks and some sympathy. Wouldn't be like you to moan. You'll be getting no sympathy off me. <laughs> now, tell me about the camogie, please, because a busy weekend of Dubs action. It was indeed. The Dubs camogie suffered a very, very tough defeat away to Kilkenny. It was 1-15 to 6 points in the first league match of the Littlewoods, Ireland at Parnell's GA Complex in Coolock. So a 1-15 to 6 point loss. That's a tough start to the league. Yes, next weekend, Croke Park, a doubleheader, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock. The ladies footballers begin their Lidl National League campaign against Donegal at 5 o'clock, throw in. While at 7, the footballers face Galway. So a great a double bill of action at Croke Park next weekend. Now, on the way after break, on the That's What I Call Sports here on 98 FM, Leo Cullen, Joe Schmidt, Rory Best, Stephen Kenny and Chris Forrester. We're back in a second. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport. Yeah, you're very welcome back to Now That's What I Call Sport on 98 FM. It's Jamie Moore on Sunday. Just 25 past nine. Nathan is back beside me. Nathan Leinster, just a 21 point clear at the top of the Guinness Pro 14 Conference B after another win. Yes, and they had 22 points scored in their uh, win over the Scarlets at the RDS. They won 22 points to 17. Johnny Sexton obviously was out nursing a bit of an injury before the Six Nations. Ross Bourne was also ruled out with concussion, so Kieran Frawley stepped in. He opened the scoring in the 31st minute with a penalty Rory O'Loughlin scored the first try of the game on the stroke of half time but a good second half spell by Scarlett saw a try by Kieran Hardy converted by Dan Jones and a penalty by Jones levelled the game on the hour mark the man who missed the Blues last three games thanks to suspension was James Lowe and he restored Leinster's lead crossing the whitewash before Barry Daly did also five minutes later Kieran Hardy made the last five minutes of the game a bit more tense from a Leinster perspective scoring a, le- a try late on but Leinster held on to get the win man of the match Ross Maloney shared his thoughts on the tough win yeah, we'll hear from Ross in just a second but first it's the Leinster head coach Leo Cullen we feel a little bit fortunate to come away with a win for sure um, mixed performance I thought defensively okay we, we held our shape quite well in the first half um, like Scarlet's a very dangerous team um, they caught us a couple of times um, probably through more the middle of the field so a lot of it was just down to some missed tackles so that is that's a concern Um scrambled well for each other in the first half and then it was pleasing just to get it you know build some pressure at the end of the first half get in for a try um start of the second half for whatever reason we're just it's almost like we'd gone down a gear in all our actions um and we allow scarlets into the game and you know, we, we give an intercept pass and you know considering we had a pretty strong breeze at our backs in the second half we don't particularly manage where we are trying to play the game um and then we get fortunate. We get fortunate with Scarlett dropping the ball pretty much like an open goal, really, um, as much as you'd see. And then they miss a kick pretty much in front of the post as well. So that's 10 points for them. Like we lose the game by, or sorry, we win the game by five. So it's, you know, it's a big swing.
Yeah, more from the Leinster camp on 98FM.com in the podcast section. Nathan Munster, Connacht at Ulster also in action. Yes, on Friday, Ulster drew 17 points apiece with Benetton at the Kingspan Stadium. They were lucky to do so with a last-second penalty try with the clock in the red to snatch a draw from the Italians. Last night, Munster won 8 points to 7 away to the Dragons. Jean Klein scored the game winning try in the 63rd minute. And then also a very low-scoring game involving Connacht. They lost 8-7 away at Cardiff as well. So a mixed uh, bag of results for the provinces. Yes, now, next Saturday, 4.45 at the Aviva Stadium, Ireland against England in our opening game of the 2019 Six Nations. We cannot wait for the game. We'll hear Shane Burns' thoughts on it on next weekend's show. But now we're going to hear from some men who will be involved in the match itself. Of course, Ireland looking to win their second Six Nations in a row and another Grand Slam. The head coach, Joe Schmidt, has been reacting to England boss Eddie Jones saying that Ireland are the best team in the world, even though they're not ranked number one. I'd love to believe that, you know, we're not ranked number one. Um, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't really see it like that because I think best in the world is, is on any given day because a test match, you know, you, you watch tours and you see oh, one team win the first two and the other team win the other one. Or, you know, results are so fickle, they can, they can swing on, on very small margins. You know, we went to Australia last year the only test we lost in the in the season was was that one in australia at the same time um you know we got the next two back uh and so it, it's very fickle um yeah he walked past me in the corridor and said he was going to throw a few grenades in I, I have felt a bit of shrapnel during the day and um I, i've no doubt that there'll there'll be more than grenades there, there'll be There'll be full, uh, there'll be full tanks and 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 full shells landing on the Aviva in, in ten days' time. So, you know they've got a, they've got a super team, England, and I think they they uh, they improve through November. They'll improve further with the, the guys they've got coming back into the squad. So, yeah, you know, uh, I, I think people will be pretty excited to see the outcome of that, um, and I'll be pretty nervous. Yeah, that's the uh, Ireland head coach, Joe Schmidt, speaking to us. I know that's what I call sport here on 98 FM. Now let's hear from the captain, Rory Best, who again has been, uh, basically he's spoken to us and told us how he wants to win the Six Nations again, but isn't sure if Ireland are necessarily the favourites. I think it's something that, that we're not necessarily focusing on, favourites. I think that's something that is external to the group. Uh, and we met up on Sunday night and um, we just basically talked about making sure that we prepare well. Uh, over the last number of years, um, and our good performances have come whenever we've had really good preparation and I think on Saturday week it's got to be no different I think to, to beat a, a very strong English team we're going to have to prepare well because we know we're going to have to play very well In terms of the great sides that have been in this tournament there hasn't been a team that's gone back to back since 2000 so why can your fans feel confident that Ireland can achieve something so rare? Uh, I think it's, it's going to be a massive challenge I think that there's a reason that with so many great teams throughout the tournament that, that you have to go right back to 2000 to get that and that's because it's very hard to do Grand Slams itself are very hard to do but I think for us it is always about making sure that, that we're right to go um, it's, it's very boring and um, it's a bit cliched but we need to make sure that we prepare well and, and take every game as it comes and I think there's no greater game to, to start a tournament with to, to sharpen the mind than England yeah what a captain Rory Best has been and hopefully will be for Ireland again in this Six Nations now the England manager head coach Eddie Jones likes to shall we say stir the pot 
with opposition players, managers, media, fans, etc. And he's been doing just that, speaking in London this week to our Stephen Doyle. Obviously, it's hard to win a Grand Slam, Eddie. Do you think it's possible in the Six Nations era for a team to do it back-to-back? Well, you've got to be a very good team. Um, but the first game's the most important game. We've got Ireland the first game, so that's the only thing we're worried about. It's uh, Joe's last year as Ireland head coach in the Six Nations. Do you think the, the tournament will miss a lot with Joe not around? Ah, oh, look, he's a very good coach and he's done a great job with Ireland. But uh, I think, as you just said, Andy, Andy Farrell's going to take over and I'm sure he'll continue on the good work of Joe. Now, speaking of Andy Farrell, his son Owen will be playing for England against Ireland next weekend. Now, of course, Andy will take over from Joe Schmidt as the Ireland manager after the World Cup in Japan. So what are Owen's views on, you know, getting revenge on Ireland after uh, their win last year? For me, it's not as much about a vengeance. It's, it's, it's more it's, it's our next game. Um, it's our most important one because it's, because it's our next one so as I said we're excited to get together and, 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 and get stuck into the first one Just ask you about Johnny Sexton and he, he is going to be fit we're told for that game in the Aviva Stadium um, obviously that's going to make your job a little bit harder England as a team to beat Ireland Oh he's a good player obviously um, World Player of the Year this year and obviously I've I've had I've had the chance to work work with him and he's and he, and he he's, he's very good at what he does so um, yeah he'll be he'll be a big lift for for them yeah 4:45 at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday Ireland against England in the Six Nations but it's a busy weekend for rugby overall because the under 20s also begin their Six Nations campaign they host England in Irish Independent Park at 7:15 on Friday night at five o'clock in Donnybrook on Friday the women's team face England as well and the Ireland captain Kira Griffin has been speaking to Irish Rugby TV this is your second women's Six Nations launch. It's a busy old day, isn't it? Yeah, it's hectic, really. It's a, I suppose, an early start and a busy day, but it's enjoyable, too. It's nice to meet the other captains and, I suppose, have a chat before the serious business starts as well. So that, that's positive out of it. Yeah, it's a funny sort of an atmosphere because you, you have to be pally, you have to be friendly, and you know in a couple of weeks' time you're going to be knocking lumps out of each other on the pitch. Yeah, that's it. So I suppose you're kind of separating that just for today. I suppose it's a one-day one day allowance, a one-day pass. So you're just chatting away. It's nice, actually, to chat to them outside the field as well and just see how they're getting on, how their own preparations are going. So, so it's, it's positive in that way. How's the training been going so far in all of the camps? Yeah, it's been really good. Um, so we've had a good few camps now since January and last uh, last Sunday we had a challenge against Wales, which went very well. Um, it's great to see some young girls coming up and so it's putting their name up for selection, which is what you want to see. And we're developing depth in certain positions, which is what you need. And so, yeah, I'm excited now for the start of the Six Nations. Big challenge, first game, energy at park. It's England, though. It's it's probably one of the toughest games you're going to play, isn't it? It's one of the toughest games, but then on the flip side, it gets you, like, you're going to get up for England, you want to play England, you want to play your best rugby against England. So I think on the flip side, it could be positive for us that you're, you're we're focused already, so you're developing. So every weekend, you're, you're focused on the next weekend, you're focused on England. So it's good preparation in terms of that, getting you focused. Looking forward to the whole tournament? Yeah, I can't wait. Six Nations is something you count down the days for all year, so I'm looking forward to kicking off now in two weeks' time. So we're getting, we're getting excited. The Ireland women's captain, Kira Griffin, speaking to Irish Rugby TV. And we'll have all the bases covered on the Six Nations for all of Ireland's teams against England on next weekend. And that's what I call sport. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Yes, I hope people are getting nostalgic because I certainly am. Because tonight, Nathan Whelan, the WWE Royal Rumble will take place. Now, The Rock isn't in it, but it's going to get us talking about our favourite ever wrestler because there's two Irish wrestlers involved, Finn Balor and Becky Lynch, which we'll speak about in a minute. But first of all, you can hear The Rock and he's cooking in the background with his rock bottom. Who 
What's your favourite ever wrestler and why, please? Well, I don't want to go with the obvious cop-out like The Rock, as, as yourself has just done. So I'm going to go with the complete other cop-out and go Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The best uh, rivalry the, in the, WWF the, the history. Stone Cold Stunner and stuff like that, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. You're showing your age now, Jay. And uh, he had a, he had like a few beers after the, the match in the ring and stuff like that, you know? Smash two, missed a lot of them, but had two sips, so it made him look Yeah, cool. hang on, hang on. I might have Stone Cold's music here because, again, this was brilliant. So let me just click play here and we'll see hang on oh yeah nice and yeah. they had some great matches over the years in fairness they, the two did, lads. they had proper nostalgia now I'm getting yeah now I'm looking forward to staying up I used to be a kid well I was a kid obviously I stayed up till one in the morning once a month late for school asleep for school many many moons ago to watch all of the uh, the pay-per-view events and the reason that we're talking about it is because we've two Irish fighters involved or Irish wrestlers involved in the Royal Rumble event tonight. Becky Lynch is fighting for the SmackDown Women's Championship against Azuka. I think I've pronounced that correctly. And Finn Balor, another Irish wrestler who was in London last week launching the WWE Performance Centre there, is fighting Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. And both of these guys obviously started wrestling in Dublin and Ireland and now they're with the biggest brand in the world and it's actually really cool. It is really cool. And uh, Finn, real name is Fergal Devitt. Becky Lynch is Rebecca Quinn. Obviously, Becky grew up in Lim- uh, was born in Limerick, grew up in Dublin and of course, uh, Finn is from Bray. So it's good to see uh, two Irish stars doing the best that they can do on the biggest promotion and what they're good at. Yes, yeah, so if you want to tell us who your favourite ever wrestler was and why, you can text or WhatsApp us now on 0877 989898. That's 0877 989898 98 98. and uh, also you can tweet us the hashtag is NowSport98FM Now the Ireland under 21 manager Stephen Kenny has announced his first squad for a home based training camp next month um, and there's mainly players based here in the League of Ireland with two from the Northern Irish League Stephen of course will take over as senior manager in a couple of years time after Mick McCarthy hopefully leads us to the next major championship we've been speaking to Stephen Kenny at FAI HQ this week and he's been telling us first of all about the opportunity all of these players have to uh, make a stake uh, make a stake stake a place for uh, in the squad coming up uh, in the uh, Euro qualifiers taking place in March yeah well I, I do think that a lot of the players last season was probably their fourth season in the league yeah, from the jump from the under 21s last season, 1996 to 1998, it's a two year cycle. So, a lot of the players, it's their first season in the league last season. And really, it just gives um, some of the players are playing in the first division, some of them in the Premier. And it gives me, you know, a chance to look at them at real close quarters, even if it's only for three days. You know, we have to sort of find a compromise with the clubs in, the, in that regard because it's, it's, out, it's outside the international window. And, uh, you know, I appreciate all of the clubs making their players available to us in the, in that period and um, so over the three days it gives you just an opportunity to work with the players and get a picture of their mentality and, their, and where they are themselves and just a closer look. Now Nathan we have uh, lots of dubs in the squad usually goalkeeper Connor Kearns is in the squad as well as Andy Lyons from Bohemians who of course was on the show the nephew of the late great Johnny Lyons who was our presenter and sports editor here for years Dara Leahy from Bowes Liam Scales from UCD we've got Aaron Bulger Shamrock Rovers JJ Loney Jamie Lennon from St Pat's Brandon Kavanagh from Shamrock Rovers and Neil Ferrugia as well from UCD Robbie McCord from Bowes so lots of dubs in Stephen Kenny's squad and he was also asked about striking the balance with his job between you know, making the 21s qualify, but also playing good football and also making the Irish fans of the senior team think that he's a good manager and prove that he's a good manager, should I say, before he takes a senior job in a couple of years. Yeah, it is a very intricate balance. I think um, we do want to produce players to become full internationals. That's the most important thing. I think um, 
you know that is that is the most important thing. There's no you can't you can't uh, but it's an opportunity uh, to win matches in the under twenty one campaign while doing so. And you know if you're playing well and and, and producing good performances, it's an opportunity to uh, to put yourself really in the frame uh, for, for for the first team, and that's that's the objective. Now there has been much debate in recent months and years really about the Irish eligibility rule and players born in England with maybe an Irish grandparent who never played in Ireland or maybe never even been in Ireland but then declaring to play for Ireland and Stephen was asked what type of players he wants to pick and his answer was quite simple. I'll promote players that are Irish you know I think that's the bottom line you know I, I just I don't have I don't have precon- preconceived prejudices on on where I should have my, you know, if we, 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 you know, there's some players, for example, going on loan to Holland now at the moment, and and in our, in Italy, there's a player in Italy and in in Germany. So we, we can we can view everything, and uh, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a directive, I don't have um, uh, a determined uh, a determination, a determined plan. I think we'll pick the best Irish players and the players with the highest potential. Um, for, for the under twenty for the under twenty one team, with the objective to be the best team we can, but also with the wider objective to produce players for the first team and for this to be become senior internationals. Now, becoming senior internationals is something that a lot of Irish players want to do. Now, we haven't scored many goals, Nathan, in recent campaigns, and Stephen Kenny might have found a gem who might score a few goals might I think it's sort of expected to happen at this stage if he continues going the way he's going I can only think of one man when you're saying something like this and it's, it has to be Troy Parrott at Spurs yeah Troy Parrott a dub playing for Tottenham and Adam Ida who's from Cork playing for Norwich City as well two strikers Troy is 16 Adam is 17 turning 18 but they're both you know hopes for the future for goals and Stephen has been telling us that he has been keeping an eye on them it's something that we have to consider you know you know, again it's early to, to, to make statements who's going to be in the squad yeah, form over the next few weeks. You know, I was at I was at Spurs and Liverpool there two weeks ago with the under twenty three match. You know, try just come on for the last few minutes of that um, in Stevenage, uh, the, the the game there. So it's um, it's it's too it's premature to to suggest who we're going to pick now at this moment for the for the for the first squad in in March. But there's no doubt they are players of, of high potential. Yes, and the Ireland squad meet up on Monday, February 4th for a training game as well. Best of luck to all of those involved in that. League of Ireland on 98FM. The best place on the radio for the SSE Airtricity League. Yeah, great to have the League of Ireland back on 98FM. The season kicking off on Friday, February 15th. Big news this week. Chris Forrester back. Signed a three-year contract with St. Pat's, his former club. He signed for Peterborough and did really well over there in England for a couple of years before moving to Aberdeen and Scotland. Uh, but for personal reasons, his contract at Aberdeen was terminated. And he's back now in Dublin, signed for St. Pat's, played 40 minutes uh, in their friendly win over Bray on Friday night. And he's been telling St. Pat's FC's Twitter page why he's returned to Richmond Park. I'm absolutely delighted to be back, uh, you know, with everything that's gone on in my, with my life and stuff. Uh, you know, I was always going to be coming back to Pat's. It's a club that's very close to my heart. Uh, we had a good few years when I was there uh, hopefully I can do that again this this season yeah so the big question why has he returned like I said when I was here uh, they gave me the, the real chance I played in that season uh, the fourth season I came to Pats I think I played nearly every game or close to anyway and I'm not sure whether we won the league that season but it was a very good season for me anyway uh, coming through and kind of 
getting a step in, into the senior football and the League of Ireland it was, it was a really good time for me Yeah Forrester won the league with St Pat's in 2013 the FAI Cup in 2014 before the move to Peterborough and time in Scotland with Aberdeen so how will those English and Scottish experiences help him now back in the greatest league in the world? A bit of experience I got a lot of experience when I was away played some new positions uh, been through it all really I think ups and downs of everything and you know there's a few young lads in that team I was looking on the team sheet and there's a lot of young lads there so hopefully they can get some off me hopefully I can get a bit of young enthusiastic energy from them uh, but no there's, we can all take each, things from each other you know we've all been through a lot in the game and whether we're at the start of a career at the end of it we'll all take each, things from each other experience with the 26 year old feels being back in Dublin will be a massive help to his football yeah, it will absolutely help me football. You know, with me coming home, it gives me a fresh start. It gives I'm around my family, I'm around my little girl, my friends, everything. So I'm back at a club that I think gen- generally likes me. Uh, so, you know, as a footballer, you just want to be loved. And I think coming back to Pats, if I can do the business, that's what it'll be for me. So I'm looking forward to getting going. Now, Friday night, 7.45, the 15th of February, the League of Ireland is back in Dublin, back in Richmond Park, St. Pat's House in Cork City. But how will Chris be feeling if he's in the starting team lining up for his first game back in the League of Ireland for a few years? I don't really know. I'm a bit nervous, to be honest. You know, I always, I've, I've been, like you said, I've been there a few times for games when we've had international breaks from Scotland. Uh, you know, I'm a bit nervous coming back and... You know, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully Richmond's packed down. It's usually good when it's packed down. And uh, some breaking news for you. Our League of Ireland podcast back on offtheball.com and 98fm.com from Wednesday the 13th of February. We can't wait to get going again. It's the greatest league in the world. League of Ireland on 98FM. On the way after the break, we'll be joined by the Special Olympics Ireland Director of Sport, Karen Coventry, just weeks before we send 71 athletes to Abu Dhabi for the World Games 2019. We're back in a sec. 98FM's Now That's What I Call Sport. 98FM. You're on there, That's What I Call Sport on 98FM. It's Jamie Moore here on Sunday and we are very happy to welcome a lady who's uh, responsible, one of the ladies that he's responsible for, a huge team of Irish athletes, 91 in total, going across to the 2019 Special Olympics World Summer Games in Abu Dhabi, the UAE, from the 14th to 21st of March 2019. Her name is Karen Coventry, Director of Sport for Special Olympics. I'll have more from Karen in just a second. The Games are going to be the world's largest humanitarian and sporting event of 2019. We'll see 7,000 athletes compete across 24 sports. We'll be sending 92 athletes across 12 sports. 91 athletes, Karen, sorry. 91 athletes across 12 sports to the event. Athletics, badminton, basketball, bocce, bowling, equestrian, football, golf, gymnastics, kayaking, swimming and table tennis. Now we found out last week that bocce is a version of bowls and four Irish athletes will be competing in that. 76 volunteers from Ireland will also travel to assist the Games Organising Committee in the UAE and the running of the Games itself. And you're ready to be jealous. Currently, it's around 25 degrees in Abu Dhabi. Now to find out more, as I said, Karen Coventry is beside me in the studio. Karen, thanks for coming in. How are you? I'm great, Jamie. Thanks a million for having us here. No problem. Thanks a million. Now, you're going to be a quite busy lady, as will the athletes over the next couple of months before you head off. Now, Special Olympics Ireland is first and foremost a sports organisation and a charity that supports children and adults with intellectual disabilities. And the quote is, Special Olympics changes lives. So just tell us more about the organisation and what you guys do. Yeah, the organisation is spread across the 32 counties. Um, currently, we have just under 8,000 athletes across 15 sports in 313 clubs around. So it's all based in their local community. It's with volunteers locally and, again, engaging with families, schools, services. Anyone in the community is welcome to join. So we're a little bit of time away now from the Special Olympics themselves. What can the athletes and everybody go and expect from 
what is going to be, as, as I said, the biggest sports and humanitarian event this year. Yeah, well, it's the first time the Games have been held in this region, so in the Middle East, North Africa. We've been out in October checking out the venues. They're spectacular. Um, Abu Dhabi is ready to take on. Adnec, the exhibition centre, is absolutely huge. The Healthy Athlete Village will be there. There's family centres set up. So families who are in support and coming over will have a huge experience. We received an email last week from Abu Dhabi to say that we have the largest contingency of supporters travelling to the Games. They just want us to know that. So that gave us a good old boost last week. Um, their team's preparation is going really well. They had their final training session, residential weekend, last weekend, and in sports all across the city, training hard, and they're ready to go. We unveiled their new kit at the launch, so they're dressed and ready. And yeah, one more month to go, one more preparation, one more training session, and Team Ireland are ready. The heat is something that everybody would have to deal with, athletes, supporters, parents, etc. I was saying before we started chatting on air, I was in Abu Dhabi and Dubai on holidays last year, and it's quite a hot place. How will the athletes deal with the heat? And is that something that's been worked on in training, even though it's hard to replicate that heat when you're currently in Ireland and it's freezing? It is for sure. Um, most of the outdoor sports will have a break from 12 till 3. So the organising committee have put that in for that. The athlete lounges will all be fully air-conditioned. The buses, when they travel, will be air-conditioned. So those sports that will be outside, the football and athletics, they'll be brought back in when they're not competing and we'll look after them and make sure that they have everything that they need. And all their caps have little flaps at the back to make sure the sun cream is ready. So it's a different climate. The inside ones, just to give you some sort of perspective, we've bought base layers for them because the air-conditioning is so high that it's so cold inside and yet so hot outside. Yeah, when you guys put out the press release last week about... The, you know the team and, and the kits and stuff like that you know there was a quote that it's going to be the biggest sporting challenge yet for any of these athletes what will the challenge of of the actual sports be for them not to go through everyone but but they're going to compete in in what their field is the most you know the biggest competition they could ever compete in Absolutely. I mean, we have 170 countries and 7,000 athletes. And for a lot of the Team Ireland going out, it's their first time to experience the World Games. So going out and not knowing who you're competing against, going out um, to new teams, new environment, we're just telling them just to compete at your best. Again, for Special Olympics, it's all about the performance on the pitch or on the athletics track. You can't control what your competitors do. You can only control your own performance. So that's the kind of mindset we're working with our athletes on at the moment. Just get out there and just do your best and be proud. I love watching equestrian, right? And I've always wondered this. Do athletes and teams bring their own horses to these events? And if so, how in God's name do you get the horses from Dublin to Abu Dhabi? We're very lucky heading to Abu Dhabi. Um, all the horses are provided. They'll have everything ready to go. And by looking back in October, what they have is absolutely spectacular. And just to give you an idea, out in the resort, it was all Irish and British horses based out in Abu Dhabi. So it's quite interesting to see. Yeah, they've got there now. And the president, Michael D. Higgins, released a statement during the week and, and he, one interesting quote is that the athletes are inspirational role models and admirable ambassadors for Ireland as well. Are they all fully aware of the magnitude of, of what they're doing? I know their families are and everyone you know working behind the scenes are fully aware but are the athletes themselves aware that people like the President are calling them role models and ambassadors for the country which they are of course? They are absolutely and I believe at the launch um, it really hit home when they saw and heard the President's message read out by her own Henry McKean here. Um, it was just that sense of awe pride even for the family members to the athletes couldn't believe that he took the time to write to them and let them know how he feels What's the most interesting thing for you about the Special Olympics and what are you in looking forward to most going as, as a staff member as such? 
Yeah, for me, Special Olympics, I suppose, is all about development and it's about the athletes, it's about the journey from the athletes, their families and the volunteers and coaches who take them. So watching the coaches come from the area level competitions and going right up to World Games and taking them through that journey is incredible. And watching the athletes just come that way through. I've been involved for 16 years, so for a lot of these squads, it's from when they were very small to becoming an adult and it's just watching that journey. It's an absolute privilege to watch. Of course, across that 16 years as well, there's been huge advancements in Irish sport generally and, and you guys are now based out in the, the National Sports Campus in Abbottstown. I was over there the other night winning the FAI and there's Gaelic pitches there now, there's Astro pitches, there's you guys, there's Equestrian Ireland, there's so many other, you know, you know, massive sporting. It's going to be an unbelievable venue and it's totally finished as well. Just tell me about the type of facilities that you guys have for these athletes and I know you use different spots around Ireland as well, but, you know, on campus and stuff and they really have the best of the best to prepare. Yeah, we're very lucky. And with the FAI, we use their pitches for their training sessions. The National Gymnastics Centre is used for gymnastics as well. The indoor halls then can be used for basketball, table tennis, badminton, all the sports across the way. We're very, very privileged. And having them all in one location as well gives that kind of team environment as you come through. And the aquatic centre there for the swimming. Um, And then we just have to step out a little bit then for kayaking. Again, the equestrian horses don't have them on site and um, the bowling alleys as well but and the golf club but having everything based on campus is just tremendous and just watching it grow every time you drive into the building just seeing what's coming we're very lucky yeah there's a real sense when you're driving into that campus when you're driving up the long road and you can see the national aquatic center on your right the gap pitches on your left up to the fai up to your place as well the massive track and there's a, a, a medical rehab center there as well it really is an amazing place for for athletes of all sports to, to train and play as well just on, on a final note, Karen, let's talk about Special Olympics Ireland itself. Currently, 7,985 registered athletes, 15 sports across 313 clubs in the country, growing year on year as well. Just tell me a little about that and, and the value that all of those different clubs and sports have to these athletes, like just under 8,000. And I'm sure, you know, athletes now seeing our athletes, 91 of them heading over to this, will go, God, I'd love to do that. And they might even join. Yeah, and we've started like a young athlete program from the age of four to seven. So it's our first introduction to Special Olympics and it's a play activity. So it's non-competitive. And it's trying to get more clubs, more local community to see what their athlete can achieve is to show their ability and it's to show the family members that there is a good pathway, you know, from the young athlete into the competing athlete and then right again to retirement. There's sports that are catered for that too. And we have an athlete leadership program. So when they're 16, it's how to do public speaking. They can go on and do coaching. Again, work from a health promotion perspective. There's lots of different aspects within Special Olympics, so it's a great fit for anybody out there. Very finally, all of this costs money, Karen, of course, and the cost of sending the 91 Irish athletes and the volunteers across to Abu Dhabi in March for the Special Olympics is a total of €455,000, which is €5,000 per athlete. And of course, there's training costs, there's travel costs, there's uniforms, there's medical and equipment and all of that included in that price as well. And the specialolympics.ie website is the place you need to go for the support an athlete campaign. Tell me more about that and you're encouraging businesses big or small or benefactors or whoever can give you a few quid to help these athletes go and live their dream for a couple of weeks over in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, that's it. It's working out of a 5,000 per athlete. So we're asking any businesses out there, not even the 5,000, any donation towards that to try and help get the team to get there to Abu Dhabi. Some people have said, so you're not there already? No, we're not. It's a huge expense, a huge expenditure. And anybody who can give support in any way would be much appreciated. And again, just to find out more, it's on specialolympics.ie. Great stuff. That's the voice of Karen Coventry, Director of Sport for Special Olympics Ireland, at the Special Olympics World Summer Games taking place in Abu Dhabi in the UAA this March, kicking off on the 14th of March as well. And we'll keep up to date with all of uh, the goings on over there across that period as well. Karen, thanks a million. Thanks a million, Jamie. That's it for another week on the That's What I Call Sport. Thank you very much for listening and to all of our guests. More from all of them in the podcast section, 98fm.com. Nathan and Keith, thanks as always for their help behind the scenes. We're back live next Sunday from 9am, folks, where it will all be 
about the small matter of Ireland v England in the Six Nations. Have a great Sunday and up the dub. See you. Bye-bye. 98 FMs. Now that's what I call sport. With the Liverpool Football Club Store. Ilac Centre. 98 FM. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, folks. Bye-bye.